You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. All right, what's up, Bears fans? This is another episode of Bears Nation Podcast. I'm Kevin Lapka here with my great co-hosts, Chris Nano and Jake Hassan. We've got a special guest today for you guys. He turned heads in training camp last year, and he has one of the all-time great last names that we've seen in recent history. He's now a cornerback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the CFL. Clifton Duck, how's it going, my man? What's good? What's good? How y'all doing today? What's up, man? Doing well. We uh, really appreciate you coming on with us today. Um, you know, first being a Chicago Bear, getting that call as an undrafted free agent, kind of just describe what that was like for you, knowing that you're getting an opportunity to live out your childhood dream and you're going to be on an NFL roster. I mean, what was going through your head and the emotions you're feeling at that moment that you get a call from the Chicago Bears? Uh, my moment was huge because um, to start it off, actually, the Bears didn't call right after the draft. The Titans did, but they took back their offer. But right after they took back their offer, the Bears offered. So it was just like a shake in the room type moment. Like it was just instantly as soon as they took the offer, the Bears had called and sent the offer. So it was probably just it's probably one of the top moments of my life. And that was just getting the call in general, just being able to have that opportunity to go to a place like Chicago. You know, so that was definitely amazing. What was it like for you to walk into that Bears camp then as an undrafted free agent and needing to prove your worth and needing to be like, all right, I belong here. What was that like and what was the mentality going into that camp? Uh, to be real, though, that's always been kind of like my MO or my go-to. You know, going into college, I was the same way. I was the no-star athlete going in. But um, going to Chicago, you know, with the top guys like Eddie, Khalil Mack in there, it was just uh, really my mindset was just, Prove your ability and learn from the ones who've already proven theirs, if that makes sense, you know, with with people who already, like, made a name for themselves. You know, you don't have to do too much. You just do what you do and then pick up the pieces from the ones who already solidified that what they do work, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely say that. If you uh, – so if you had to pick one coach that you feel like you learned from the most uh, with your time in Chicago – um, who, who would you say? Uh, just because I was there for a short period of time, you know, mainly when you're there, uh, you're around your DB coach, you know what I'm saying? You're around your specific coach. So I say Coach T was mine, Mr. Corners coach. But just because I felt like the way he explained it, because he was one of the – he was a player's coach, you know, so he played. So I felt like the way he explained it, just coming from a player's point of view, was a little bit more easy for me to pick up. So, you know, I communi- I communicated more with him on that when it came to defenses or anything, really, because I felt like when he explained stuff, it was a little more from a player's point of view, so it was easier to pick up from him. So I would definitely say I went to him for most of my tips and notes. You talked about coming into training camp and learning from players, and that was a big goal of yours. Who was the one player, just being around those guys every day, that you thought was kind of your biggest mentor, maybe had the biggest impact on you, you learned the most from? Who was kind of that guy who was, uh, you know, had you under their wing uh, throughout that whole process? Don't get me wrong. I would say that, like, it was the DB group was probably a little closer than 
than a couple other groups as quickly. But um, I say Deion Bush. Deion Bush was just from the jump. He was just he took the extra time to explain stuff. You know what I'm saying? When you come into the league, everybody's like, okay, you grown. You got the playbook just like everybody else. You got film just like everybody else. You know. But um, Deion Bush. Well, I call Bush. Bush actually really slowed it down and even outside of the locker room or even outside of the facilities or even when we were just chilling and he just thought of something, he'll be like, hey, look, I don't know if you know this, but you know what I'm saying? So I really say Bush because Bush, I feel like, took the extra effort to make sure that I knew what I what I knew was going on, that I had what I needed, even outside of football, you know, so I definitely say Bush. So Bush is, you know, he's going to get a little bit more of an opportunity this year. He got a little bit of opportunity on special teams. They bring in Tashawn Gibson Sr., but Bush is going to have a role to play. You know, what do you have to say about his work ethic and his ability uh, to play well at that safety position here in 2020 for the Bears? Oh, yeah, for sure. You can quote me on it. You can put it. You can stamp it. Say the clip. Bush will be one of the top safety soon. Easy. Wow. Easy. Wow. Easy. Okay. What, what makes you say that? He just built different. You know, he – uh. You know, the Florida kids built different. But uh, his <laughs> mentality, like, Bush mentality, I mean, he's been in the league for a couple of years, you know, and if you look at it, he's been in a good position for a couple of years. It's just Eddie, you know what I'm saying? You got Eddie, you got Ha-Ha. It's just been some top talent. But just watching him practice, like, Bush critiques himself over the smallest things, like things that most people just kind of, all right, just get it right the next time it really gets a bush and he really thinking about it. So he really want to be like that perfect player. He never stagnant. He never okay with how he was before. Even if he was, like I said, he's behind Eddie Jackson. Like, you know, that's a spot that people would pay to get to, you know what I'm saying? And he's still never satisfied in practice. It'll be something small and everybody be like, nah, you good. And he'll really beat him up because he really want to be that good. And he really wants to be the greatest out there. So I feel like just, him and his the standard he hold for himself. I'm gonna say that the standard he hold for himself will take him to that top spot. Do you think that's part of the culture there? Like you said, guys have Eddie setting the standard there. Is that just kind of the culture there? That competitive nature? Is that go from the DBs all the way down to the practice squad? Oh yeah, I say it come from the coaches too. I would definitely say Chicago was definitely a high energy team. Like everybody was competing. Everybody. I was talking trash, but I mean, it was friendly. You know what I'm saying? Everybody talked trash on different sides of the ball, but it was always competition. So I definitely say for sure, as soon as you as soon as you get there, I mean, you got people like Khalil Mack in the room, you know? So the standard is already at the top because he, Khalil is Khalil. You know what I'm saying? He's not accepting anything but your best from anybody at any given time, whether he on the field with you or he's seen it. You know what I'm saying? So from the time you walk in, you got future Hall of Famer, so the, the standard is already high. The coaches off off gate tell you, you know, because Nat would tell you, as soon as you get there, we expect the best. We expect the hardest worker. You know, we expect every day to, to be the best day that you can give. So just having guys in the room like Eddie and Khalil, as soon as you walk in, you know the standards up there. And then, uh, you know, you talk about all these good players, obviously, you know, not just from the Bears, but all around the league. You know, you're playing against the best of the best. Uh, who was the toughest player that you matched up against? Or, or or one of the toughest. Doesn't have to be. Just who comes, <laughs> who comes to mind? Deion Kane with the Colts was a – he was a – watching him work was a good one. Just thinking opposite teams. Um, when, when the preseason first started, 
it took well really when I first got to Chicago, it took a while for me to like really settle in because it was like, wow, all these good players that you hear about right in front of you now. You know, it's not like you watch them on the TV, they right in front of you, you know. They might line up right across on you. So uh it was a lot of it was a lot of uh it was a lot of good guys. I would say uh mm, let me think. Cause that's the top question. It was a lot of good people. Mm. Uh, dang, I cannot remember his name. Marvin. What was Marvin's last name? Hall. Um, Marvin Hall. Marvin yeah, Hall. yeah. Yep. Yep. That is one of the most different receivers I've ever met. The man had three fingers, all training count, but would catch anything thrown his way and would take off on anybody. <laughs> it got to the point where we'd be like, all right, when he come in, just know something going deep. <laughs> he is going to get out of there. So he was the first person, I think, he was probably the first receiver I've ever guarded that, like, you could know he was going deep, and he still might get past you. Like, even if you turn the man, he still might get past you. So that was a different play. I've never met somebody that fast. Marvin Hall, yeah, a lot of people liked Marvin Hall. Are you surprised that the Bears cut him and let go of him? Because, I mean, a lot of people liked him going into camp, and then they thought he was going to be on the roster for sure, and out of, the, out of nowhere they cut him. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean – the Bears was just deep, honestly. You know, <laughs> yeah. The Bears was deep in a lot of positions, you know. So I was a little shocked, you know, especially just, you know, they was talking about they wanted those guys to stretch the field and stuff like that. But I wasn't completely shocked. You know, they still had guys like Cordell. And uh, I felt like bringing in – they brought in Cordell. They had Javon. They drafted uh, Riley. So I felt like Cordell playing running back and receiver kind of held down the spot. And then they already had Turbo. They had A. Miller. So it was just – I feel like he just got – it was just a deep spot. Like, it was just deep. I feel like any other situation, any other team would have for sure kept him. Because, I mean, you see he went off to Detroit and did his thing. So it wasn't really like a talent thing. I feel like it was really just a lot of people, too many people in that receiver position. He might end back up in Chicago, for real. He might. He might. They might have just, you know, let him – are, Are you, you about to break some news for us? I ain't breaking no news. I ain't talking, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know for. I know they. They really liked him, and I know a lot of people liked him around there. So I felt like it was just deep, and he could really end up back in Chicago. All right, look wow. out for it. Look out for it. <laughs> you mentioned the preseason, and you know, as we know, we got the news yesterday. They're actually cutting it down to two games. I mean, what what can you say for those guys who like you have to go out and in those preseason games? You know, you're given only X amount of snaps to go out there and show your worth and make a play. And now those games are cut in half uh, because of the pandemic. I mean, how much harder does it make it for those guys who are going to be really trying to fight for that 53-man roster? Yeah, it's it's, it's really going to be tough. It's going to be tough for players like um, players that was for a team like Chicago that was deep. You know, if, a, if you come into a team that's searching for a position, you might be in a better spot with two games because then they'll – be able to separate who they want to play and it wouldn't be as close. But if you go into a spot that's deep and they already got veterans and you're really trying to beat somebody out instead of like prove your worth at a position, I feel like it may be hard because it's only so many snaps, you know? And then you want your starters, you don't want your starters to play in a way, but you want them to be getting the motion of the game for the first game. So they're going to have to get some reps. And then you want your backups to be prepared to play if something happens, God forbid. But then you got people who actually trying to make the team, who actually trying to win the spot. So taking those two games away, I mean, it helped players in a way 
but it also hurts some players. Depending on, it just depends on where your spot is, you know what I'm saying, where your opportunity lies in that in that range. Well, you talk about that opportunity, and you got an opportunity you showcased with that pick in the preseason. Just walk us through that. Like, walk us through from catching it to after. Like, what was going through your head and what you were trying to do? Really? That was a, I think that was a 12-play drive. I remember it. I remember it was a long drive because till till the day that I die, somebody is always going to have something to say about me getting caught. <laughs> but to be honest, it was just, I just died. Like, it was a 12-play drive. We was on the field, and I remember because uh, I had ran past one of our linebackers, and he was like, yo, we got to get off the field. Like, we was on the field. That day was driving. They was hurrying up. They was going sideline to sideline. We was like, yo, this drive is taking forever. <laughs> so um, we get to the goal line, and really they called a timeout. But I think they lined up pretty fast, and they had it. They might have had like a little a little time to get the ball off. But they didn't like the way they lined up, so they called the timeout, which gave us time. Which gave us time. So we was like, Y'all, we gotta get off the field right here. And they ran the receiver in motion because they set the play up. You're really not supposed to do this. When they when the team called if you watch offenses, quarterbacks always spike the ball because when you call the timeout before the play starts, you're not supposed to show anything about the play anything about the play. And you really don't repeat it. But, I mean, preseason, coach is like, all right, ain't nobody really paying that much. <laughs> it ain't too much film. So the receiver ran in motion, looked back at the quarterback. Anytime a receiver looked back at the quarterback, he coming back. So once I saw that, the next time out, I really barely chased him. I just had to respect it a little bit in case he did go out. But it was already, if like, when people watched the playback, I was already running across by, before they even hiked it. Because they showed it the play before. So but yeah, big opportunity. Chicago just one of them places where the standard high. So when I saw the ball floating air from uh Vodders, he had put pressure on the quarterback, so he had to lob it over. I said, Oh yeah, I gotta get that. But I also lost my breath. Believe it or not, when I caught it, I hit the ground on my back and like lost all my wind. But I was so oh. excited, I was just like, Oh, I can run. Yeah, <laughs> I can run. So I didn't give everything, but I was dying the whole time. I was dying the whole time. You can see, like, everybody, everybody on the field, but the receiver was dead. Like, if you watch the film, everybody on the field is just, like, trying, like, yeah, please, run. And then he's just the only one full-fledged friend. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was probably, like, one of the most exciting plays because, I mean, that's just how I play my game. I always want to pick, never want to PBU. So just getting a pick in the NFL was crazy. And like that, like it was just an unexpected moment. Uh, even guys like Buster came up to me like, oh, I've never seen anybody risk it all for a pick like that. Because <laughs> you could miss. If you miss, you look crazy. <laughs> it was just like big, big time opportunities, you got to take chances. So it was definitely – um, it was a great moment. It was a great moment. And seeing how everybody went crazy, how it blew up on the sideline, seeing people like Eddie and them come up to you like, yo, that was a good pick. You're like, oh, for real? You thought so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, was a, that was probably a top-tier moment. Yeah, so get, getting that praise from Eddie and those guys, that really just kind of bump you up and just be like, all right, that really happened. I didn't just dream that. <laughs> <laughs> it lets you know it's solid. You know, if they impressed, that means it was something because – 
Eddie had what, like seven, eight interceptions, you know? <laughs> yeah. So if he if he was impressed by goal line picking the preseason, you did something. You did something. You did something for sure. But yeah, it was just love. It was just so much love on the sideline. Like, and then for my parents, just my parents, just them. I think my dad, it was my dad's birthday, I want to say. My wow. dad's birthday was that weekend. Nice. So nice. it was a lot of things that was just awesome. That's awesome. It was a good yeah. moment. Perfect game, really. Perfect and game. then uh, just uh, just switching gears over to the CFL, uh, where you're at now, um, what's been different about the way you train, um, about the players you're playing? Like, just, just the whole overall experience. How is the CFL different from the NFL? Uh, to be honest, with the pandemic, we haven't been in too much contact or too much meetings and works because, uh, you know, they're just trying to figure everything out right now. Yeah. But uh, I would say, you know, they got that motion to start mm-hmm. their plays. That's the only thing I've been working on differently so far, just because we haven't been able to work meetings, watch film as a team yet, the rules, you know. But um, I've been trying to work on that. You know, obviously, when you get with the coaches, you can get the real technique and stuff like that now. But I feel like that and that extra man on the field will probably be the biggest, the biggest things to adjust to. For sure. After being in training camp with the Bears, what was kind of the biggest thing you learned about your game personally where, you know, you're comparing yourself to other top guys around the league and you said, okay, this certain thing about my game is what I have to improve on on the most? I was watching, uh, like, I keep coming back to keep coming back to Eddie, but watching Kyle, watching Kyle, mm-hmm. uh, watching Danny, I, actually just watching the vets, I realized that the NFL – was a little was different from college because college it was more so ability you know it was ability you got your smart guys you got your guys who are just a little bit different mentally that you just know like oh yeah he got the game down pat and coaches talk about it on, all the time but when you get into the NFL it's a lot more of those guys and then you pay attention that those guys are the guys that are the top players so just seeing uh, Kyle and the work like Kyle could read a play while playing and it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Kyle reads plays at corner. Like I've seen him fit on a route where if the receiver didn't run the route, it was a touchdown. But he knew he was running the route, so he came mm-hmm. right back to him and it's like, wow, that's a that's a large gamble. And it's just things that he see in motion, like in two to three seconds that tells him the whole play. So uh that that right there, I was already like a wanna be a more thinking player, more smart player on the field, but at that level where you can read, like, he knows the whole play in, like, two seconds fast where he don't even chase nobody. He doesn't let you run and know you coming back to him. That was, like, okay, I want to be like that. Like, I want to be able to make plays like that. Like, I want to be able to read and react and just make plays on the ball without the offense even showing me anything that I've never seen before. It's like, his film, he watches film all day they literally have to tell that man to stop watching film, you know? So just excelling, excelling mentally, I felt like. I felt like they showed me that mentally the game is a lot more important to learn than just thinking that you're going to be physically better than anybody or technique or anything like that. Just having that mental side. Like, they're, they're crazy intelligent when they come to football. They be in the meeting rooms talking like coaches, you know? When they explain things down, it's like a direct mirror of what coaches are saying. And you really, and you really admire that because it's like, wow, you're putting 
you put time into your craft, everybody want to put time into their craft, but that's just a whole nother level of, of putting time in the game. So if you had to rank the guys that spend the most time in the film room, who you, you said Kyle Fuller, they can't get him out of there. We know these people say you can't get Mitch Trubisky out of the film room. Who else are just those film junkies that, man, you got to drag them out of there if you want to get them out of Hallis Hall? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I, I know it's me, though, but they, they, you know, they big timers and they all how they get. So they really be on their tablet. So you really won't catch them <laughs> in the room. You really won't catch them in the room. It's really like uh, the coach. Coach be trying to explain stuff, and then you'll see him looking down. And normally people think, oh, he on his phone. Nah, he hiding that tablet. He watching that tablet. But I say, who else watched? Mm, it'll have to be. I can only speak DBs, though. I'm going to say right. I speak DBs because that's who I was around more. I'd have to say the Bush. Bush? Yeah. Bush. You'll be sitting, I'll be sitting with Bush at his house watching TV, and he'll just. And you'll be facing the floor, and you'll just hear him say out of nowhere. Oh, man, see, I had to pull up this play. What you think? What you think the receiver did to make me? I could have known. And you just look like, where did you pull that out from? Like, where did you start fucking film again? Or did you be random? He'll text you at, like, 10 at night. Yeah, so I don't know if you know this, but if a receiver do this, blah, 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 then he going to do this. You know, and you'll be like, hey, man, I appreciate that, Bush. What made you think of that? But, yeah, I definitely go, I'll put Bush second. That I seen. Let me say that on the record, that I seen. Gotcha, gotcha. You, you've mentioned Eddie Jackson a number of times now, and you know we we were doing a little bit of an episode the other day about you know Eddie Jackson. CBS Sports didn't rank him in the top ten safeties in the league. There's like he had a little bit of a down season as far as interceptions, just because of you know the way it was with him and Hawkin Dix both out there. You know what do you have to say about him and his expectations for him this year? I mean, you spoke highly of him. Uh, do you believe this guy is truly a top three safety in the league? Because I know a lot of Bears fans do. Oh yeah, Eddie is uh, Eddie is definitely gonna be top ten in the league, and he's definitely gonna be one of the, if not the best safeties once he get back to what he was doing when he had his interceptions. You know, like you said, well, Haha, Haha was also a good player, so they played them to their strengths and how they do a work. And you know, people don't really always pay attention to that. They like to look at stats a lot, and they don't really look at your positioning on the field. He didn't get the wrong as much, you know, but he was still. Making plays, like, I think uh, uh, Cowboys game, he was guarding Amari Cooper, you know? We used to seeing him play middle field, and if the ball in the air, he's going to get it. Well, he mixed it up, and now he's in man, and he's not getting as many interceptions, but he's locking down one of the best receivers, and that's from the safety spot. You normally see this from corner, you know? So that's another, that's another level where you see a safety going down there and locking up the other team's best receiver. But, uh, yeah, for sure. Because Eddie can, like, from that example right there, Eddie can do whatever you ask him to do. You know, Eddie can come down and tackle if you want him to play down. Eddie will guard the best receiver if you want him to guard the best receiver. He can play corner if you need him to play corner, you know. But if yeah. you put him back there in free safety and he robbed, and he in the middle field, it's going to be an interception if they throw it deep. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, the more, the more he gets, well, now that he's probably going to go back to that spot, because I feel like that's where they might want to put him back at, uh, he's going to get his interceptions, and that'll definitely be put people on notice. But the more people see him moving around and doing different things, I feel like that's going to move his, his value back up. You talked about how Dion Bush still texts you from time to time about, oh, if you do this, do this. 
do you still keep in contact with a lot of the other guys and, you know, just trade tips or bounce ideas off each other? Or is it just mostly you and Dion? Uh, no, I'm still in the DB group chat. So, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, you know, peeking in. Anytime they talk about something, you know, I'm always watching. Um, I don't necessarily talk as much in it, you know, just listen type things, you know, sit back and listen and take notes. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Anytime they put, anytime they put anything in there, I'm for sure keeping track. You know, even if I don't respond or anything, I'm definitely paying attention because, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a humble person and those guys are what I'm trying to get to, you know? So if they're where, if somebody is where I'm trying to get to, I listen, you know, I listen and learn. Even if, even if it's not my style of game or if it's not something I do, it's something I know now, you know, just to have that knowledge and just to have that learning aspect from uh, just from their view. So, yeah, I for sure. They be talking about it in the group chat. They put down plays, put down stems. They might drop a clip or something, you know. You know, obviously everything in there I can't really, you know, put out. But, yeah, I definitely, every time they drop something in the group chat, I'm saving it or just writing it down. Or I might go look at it, you know, something look up anyway. So, yeah. I definitely still, I really all of them because that group that, and they got some new players in there. You know how to lead though. So, what, what, what's the biggest thing you're, you're taking away from that group? Um, just in terms of like that, that specific group chat. The biggest things, uh, it's a DB group chat and I'm pretty sure they got another one for like the people that are actually like on the team, yeah. but it's just, it's just a progressive group chat. Like, I don't know how to a productive group chat. Let me say, I don't know how to really explain. It's like the things they they talk about are productive. Everything's real productive in the group chat. It's not a lot of stuff that just come through the group chat just because. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when they when they talking about something, it's 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 important. You know what I'm saying? It's something that you that can help whether it's on the field or off the field. So I feel like that's just. How they build the, how they build the team, you know how they build that group because when I was out there in training camp, everybody held each other accountable, everybody was there for each other, you know everybody you could get anything any help you needed at any time, and I feel like the group chat probably is is probably where that come from because that's just how they built it, you know, so yeah, I say it's a very productive group chat, and that's you don't always get that. When you put a lot of your teammates in a group chat, you do not. I can imagine. <laughs> you do not always get that when you put a bunch of your teammates in a group chat. We wanted to ask you this question, too. We got this in our mailbag from a previous episode. If you had to pick one teammate to go to dinner with between Akeem Hicks and Tariq Cohen, who are you picking? <laughs> to go to dinner with? Yeah, yeah, go out to dinner with. I mean, it depends on who paying. If I'm paying, I'm paying. Nah, they're paying. They're paying. I'm not taking the team. Nah, but y'all know that's tough though. Y'all know Reek was my dog. You know, Reek was probably the closest one. Was probably the closest person to me on that team. You know, uh, shoot, I stayed with him out there. Most rookies, uh, you stay in a hotel. He was like, nah, but I got an extra room. If you want to stay with me, so you know, what I'm saying Reek, my dog. So I might have a little bias there. Plus, we always have a good time, no matter where we at. We can be. Outside on the front porch, we gonna laugh, crack jokes. You know what I'm saying? So, I'll probably go to read. Yeah. Uh, just just real quick, just to we we had Josh Woods on this podcast, and he said that uh, Akeem Hicks would Akeem Hicks and Nick Williams would just go around bullying people. 
man, you see them guys? You see Akeem? <laughs> but yeah, Akeem, Akeem is probably like, and it's funny though, because everybody always makes jokes that the biggest dude in the room is always the bully. But Akeem is really like the goofiest person. You know, yeah. he's really the goofiest person. Like, and he breaks the ice well though, because he's big though. So, you know what I'm saying? When you first meet him, you kind of a little like hesitant. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can't joke with everybody. So, you like, mm-hmm. but he breaks the ice. Like, he'll joke with you. Like, he joked with people that he's known for years just to show you, you know what I'm saying, that yeah. it's all love. But he going to get on you. Yeah, they going to get on you. If you yeah. if you standing around, <laughs> if you standing around looking lost, don't, if they look at you, just look away. Just walk away. Because they going to get you. Man, that's, that, that's word for word what Josh Wood said. Man. Yeah, word exactly. If you see those guys together, just walk the other way. Man. Just walk away. <laughs> Especially if they smile. If they crack a smile, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. Oh, man. It's about oh, to go man. down. What, what's the craziest thing you've seen them do to someone? Like, what's the craziest prank they've pulled? It's not even really pranks. It's like, it's just jokes. And you know how jokes get... <laughs> It's just it's jokes, and you know how jokes get when when they start off real funny, cause they funny. So like them two will walk in, right, and you'll be minding your business, you have your headphones on, and the king will look at you, and if you look back at him, he gonna get going. But when the king get going, he's so loud, everybody come to see what he's doing. So my locker, so my locker was, I want to say I was two away from Khalil. So I was two away from Khalil, and Khalil funny dude, too. He liked to mess with him, too. He don't like to really start it, but he'll tune in once it get going. He'll <laughs> lean over and look in. But, uh, yeah, once they get started, you just see everybody look down the line. Everybody start coming down. Then everybody want to jump in and crack jokes. He's just like, oh, man, leave me alone. Or if you made, and don't let you have made a bad play or had a brain fart in practice because, oh, man, everybody going to light the room up. But, yeah, it's just. I can't even think of a specific time because it's really probably every day after practice. Every day after practice, when everybody just chilling, he gonna wait for somebody to walk through, <laughs> thinking it's sweet, and he gonna get them. And once he get them, Nick gonna come out of. The funniest thing about them two is they always come out of nowhere. If they not around each other, when they hear one of the other talk joke, they're coming. They're gonna <laughs> pop up one way or another. And then the rest of the D line, and then the linebackers, then the it's just crazy. This is once a king started. He so his voice travels, so everybody know it's on and popping, and everybody come through. Everybody come through. Oh man, that's hilarious. Is that kind of like a metaphor for what the culture of the team is? Because we know the culture is, man, these guys are going to put in the work, but they're also going to have fun doing so. I mean, we saw Club Dub, right? I mean, these guys are dancing after games. So, you know, just, you know, I mean, these guys are here to have fun. They're also going to put in the work. They're going to take it serious. They're going to be professional. But is that like a, a vibe of, of the culture of that team? Like, we're, we're out here to have some fun, man. Yeah, that, I would definitely say that's the vibe of the team because um, I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people really don't like to see people like happy when they're not doing so well in the season. But I mean sometimes seasons just don't football just don't go your way. But I like I like that about Chicago that uh hard days, hot days, you know, training camp was was hot. Was hot. But that's just the focus of the team. That's the focus of Coach Nag. That's the focus of all oh, that's the focus of Coach Chuck. Like everybody wants to make sure that they're enjoying their time out there. You know, even when it's hot, even when it's hard, like Crack jokes, you know what I'm saying? Just know. Biggest thing about that is you got to know when to 
when to do it and when not to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what they're really big on, like, knowing when, okay, like, lock in, when to joke, or when, when to be, like, 100% serious or when to be on that time. But, yeah, I would definitely say that's the coach of the team because, I mean, just walking around the facilities, everybody want to have a good time, you know what I'm saying? Somebody always want to just stop by, ask you how your day going, speak with you, talk to you, you know? So uh, you can crack jokes with anybody. Coaches cracking jokes. You know what I'm saying? Kim might get on the coach, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and, you know, you come in the meeting room and players be joking with coaches. So it just, yeah, I definitely say that's the coach. Just have fun. Put in work. They work. You know, you're not going to be able to just be in that facility and not work. You know what I'm saying? Be on the same field and not work. But they also want to make sure that it's fun. You know what I'm saying? That's your job. You're going to be there a long time. So you got to enjoy it to get the most out of it. For sure. Yeah. Man, some of these stories of Akeem and Nick Williams got me crying out here. I mean, <laughs> no, these are, are these are too good. These are too good. Crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to talk about just streaming career a little bit. For those of you who don't know, that's how I met Clifton. We actually started. I started tuning in his stream. Follow him at the Clifton Duck on Twitch. He's always putting up numbers on Warzone. We play a little bit of Fortnite on Fridays, but you know, I mean, we all play video games. Jake plays a little Warzone. Chris plays a little. Uh, mad into time. I play a little Fortnite. We all play a little something. And with the lockdown and everything, we've all been playing games to kill time. But, you know, you've really kind of answered up. You got the monitor. I see you're really trying to take this uh, streaming thing seriously. What kind of prompted that and made you say, you know what, I really want to get into this, you know, uh, with bigger capacity? Uh, quarantine was quarantine was big on that because uh, at first, I don't know if people remember last summer or last season, uh, a lot of people didn't like when Le'Veon Bell started rapping. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. As an athlete, it's really hard to put your time into something else because when you do publicly, people feel like you're not really focused on the athletic side of things. So when quarantine happened, it was like, well, what else do you expect me to do? You've been I'm in the house all day anyway, you know. But always loved playing the game. Like always loved playing the game. I've been playing the game since I was a youngin because I have two older brothers and they got every system every game, you know what I'm saying, every Call of Duty, every Halo. So um, uh, once quarantine happened and uh, Tariq was streaming, he was a streamer. Yeah. So he was just like, yo, you need to start streaming. And I was like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know how I feel about it. He was like, man, trust me, because we used to always play. He was like, man, trust me, just start streaming. You're going to love it. And after that, once I started, been like that ever since, you know, just the people you meet. It's like, it's really like another. It's really like another football for me. You know, it's the people you meet. Like Kevin, do we play with yeah. that? We met through that. We met. Yeah. Through streaming, you know what I'm saying? We never would have had a direct, probably conversation like we have if I was never streaming. So it's just like another sport for me. So it's like a whole another world that you meet a whole another set of people through, and it's, it's it's been great for me, honestly. You know, I ain't even I cannot complain about anything about the game. It's been love. What's been your favorite game of all time? Oh, favorite game of all time? It would have to be. I wish they would remaster Warriors. Did y'all play Warriors on the PlayStation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really loved that game. I don't know what it was about that game, but I really loved that game. I really wanted them to remaster that. Uh, I don't have a PC, so I can't play Counter Strike, but I loved Counter Strike when it was big. Yeah. I'm a big shooters person. I don't really play too many sports games. Mm hmm. So, yeah, it definitely had to be that. Or Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare 2 is solid. Yeah. Yes. Great game. 
How often are you carrying Kevin on Fridays? When oh, play come on. How, how much I'm of a liability? Him. How oh, much yeah, of a liability I, is this hold kid? On, hold on. Okay, so let me let me be clear though. In, in squads, I'm rough in the squads right now. <laughs> but in the gun game though, in the gun game, we like that. <laughs> ah, He's Kevin cold in the gun game. <laughs> Friday gun game, Kevin, my favorite person. When I got a sniper, I find Kevin. He's always gonna run into my sniper. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> nah, 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 I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna cap. I ain't gonna cap. In the squads though, the building is rough, so they definitely carry me to two dubs. Definitely carry me to two Creative and creative. I'm more of a creative. I'm, I'm better in creative right now. Right now, we can't have Sean in there no more. No, no. Sean can't play. No, he can't have no more Fortnite Friday. No, <laughs> that dude is gonna too cracked. He's too cracked. Like, Talking about so he on the PS4. He was definitely on PS4. Yeah, no, he was on PC. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's an awesome conversation. Had a lot of fun with you today. Uh, we hope to be in touch with you in the future, man. Again, follow his uh, Twitch at the Clifton Duck. He's got a, a new streaming Instagram at Duck on TTV. So follow all those. Stay tuned with our man Clifton Duck here uh, as he continues his career in the CFL. We'll see if maybe he comes back to the NFL at some point as he continues to stream. Get those uh, high kill games on Warriors on lookout for. Again, we appreciate you and take care, my man. All right. All right. Appreciate y'all. Thank you, brother. Thank you, yeah. man. Oh.